It's I just keep hearing repeal, replace, repeal, replace. Well, we're starting that process and we're starting it in a very positive manner. And I can say when you get Rand Paul on your side, it has to be positive. That I can tell you. <laughs> Boy. Rand. I was just saying, as he's getting up and saying all these wonderful things about what we're going to be announcing, I said, boy, that's pretty unusual. I'm very impressed. You're listening to The Devil's Advocate, where we talk about news and current events. I'm your host, Brandon Condit. And I'm also your host, Mitchell Hernandez. Our goal at The Devil's Advocate is to provoke thought by introducing viewpoints and information that isn't readily available in the mainstream media. It's in truth a conversation where an independent liberal, like myself, and an independent conservative like myself, can share different viewpoints without the typical disdain for one another we see all too often in politics. So with that, let's get started. The White House announced last night that it will end government subsidies for health insurers. That follows a move by the president to bypass Obamacare rules and help employers buy cheaper insurance. The government has paid billions to reduce Obamacare costs for low-income Americans. The White House called those subsidies a bailout of insurance companies through unlawful payments. Democratic congressional leaders Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi responded in a statement saying, quote, millions of hardworking American families will suffer just because President Trump wants them to. Nancy Cordes is on Capitol Hill. And Nancy, the president is following through on a pledge he's made for a few months now. That's right. And each time he's made that threat, Republican leaders here on Capitol Hill have actually talked him out of it because they fear that it will drive up premiums and even lead some insurers to sue the government. But now that they have failed to pass any kind of replacement for Obamacare, it appears that the administration is taking things into its own hands. All right. And welcome back to TDAP. Um, let's see, before we get started this week, we have a couple of things to touch on from last week. Uh, first of all, I said surprises were coming this week, and that was a damn lie. I am a liar. <laughs> um, well, what was well, supposed you do to, what we had, right, what we were supposed to do this week was we were supposed to have friend of the show Dan on, um, to to uh, give us his perspective on some stories. And then at the last minute, I had some family stuff come up that I could not, couldn't do it. I couldn't dodge it, couldn't get out of it, and that's okay. So uh, <laughs> we had to we had to kind of rearrange the scheduling. So hopefully we'll get Dan on the show here in the next uh, week or two, um, you know, which we'll try to work around his schedule for that. So that was, that was one surprise you were not going to get this week. Uh, subject number two, we talked about, I had mentioned the Jason Stockley, um, verdict in the protest and whatever briefly last week at the end of the show. And as you probably remember from a few episodes ago, um, Mitch and I and Frank discussed, you know, the fact that we thought that, you know, protests or whatever but like there's a right and wrong way to do it and we one thing that we all agreed on when us, when frank and i were down there was that we didn't see any uh we didn't see any literature getting passed around so i i had talked about well let's write up a petition what we what we thought would be not such a bad idea would be um to 
the the idea of having an independent council in St. Louis had been floated around. Um, we'd heard murmurs of that as far as police involved shootings go. And I think you and I both agree that that wasn't a bad idea. Um, right. You know, it, it definitely, it, it def. I thought that the, at least it's a step in the, in, in a better direction. A productive um, step. Right. Like give the community at least an opportunity to have some faith in the, the justice system. So after we had, talked about writing a petition it looks like the the i don't know if it's the st louis da or the prosecutor in st louis has now brought this up um at a at a city level and it looks like the board of aldermen um are being asked for what is it 1.3 million dollars to hire five lawyers or I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was like five lawyers and three prosecutors and several detectives or something like that so that they could basically form an independent commission to look at police-involved shootings in St. Louis. Right. I think that's a great idea. I think that Frank and um, you and I can all kind of agree that that's a good step in in the right direction. So... That being said, now, instead of us having to do all the hard work, since she's decided to do it for us, in the <laughs> links to the show, you will find a list of the phone numbers for the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. If this is something you support, um, call them and tell them that you that, that exactly that, that you support it and that you would like to see that money go to that to that cause or whatever. Um, I don't know if it's something that gets voted on or, or whatever, but I know the board of aldermen has to approve it. So I will put the story and the links to the show. I will put the um, link, the, their phone numbers and, and their, you know, all of the, the state available information I have for the board of aldermen in the comments. And, um, I would implore you if you think that this is a good idea to call. And if you think it's a bad idea, call like you have a voice too. So I'm not going to tell people how to think, but I'm going to tell you how I think. And that, and for that reason, we'll go ahead and make that information available in the links below. So with all of that being said, we have a big week ahead of us as every week is a big week here at TDAP. And um, as you could tell from the previous sound bites, healthcare is on the agenda once again. So right. I'm going to go ahead and let Mitch stop me from rambling on at this point, and <laughs> you can kind of you can kind of take over. Okay, so we're going to obviously talk about the uh, healthcare executive order that was signed by Trump this week. But before we do this, I wanted to personally dedicate this episode, which I don't normally do. But I heard the very sad news today that John Dunworth, who is more affectionately known from Trailer Park Boys as Mr. Leahy, has passed away at the age of 71 due to um, a very sudden illness. So I know a bunch of my friends and everyone else. I mean, Mr. Leahy is the picture on my hockey team. Pretty, My hockey team oh. is named after um, yeah. Trailer Park Boys. It, really sad news. 
So yeah, I wanted that's... to personally dedicate this episode and just, I don't know, I, I was pretty bummed out with it and thought that this is the at least one small thing I could do to show that he will be missed. So with that being said, I figured we can get into what, I guess, some of the details here on this executive order. So uh, since most people have been listening to our podcast, obviously, they should know how Congress has not been able to do anything with health care. Uh, Donald Trump. They should being... also know that it comes out late on like a weekly basis, so don't expect anything different this week. Guys. <laughs> oh. That's right. No, but um, you know they've been they've been trying to do this for a little bit of time now. Obviously, the um, Republicans have been promising it for seven years and not been able to deliver on it. So finally, Donald Trump got fed up when he says, "Whatever, man, I'm going to sign this executive order and we're going to get some things done." And immediately, as you might expect. You saw a lot of liberal publications and Democrats come out and saying it's terrible. You saw a bunch of conservatives come out and say, no, wait, this is great. And those of us that are left in the middle going, well, what does it actually do? Turns out not a whole lot. It doesn't, it's not going to revitalize um, the healthcare system. It's not really going to do much of anything. It seems like it the does main... push your grandmothers off cliffs, though. Oh, it does like, that. I mean, it kills all the old people. Definitely. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not true. It does not do that. But basically what it does seem to do, and which is the biggest uh, negative selling point for, um, or at least what I've seen in liberal publications, is it stops the subsidies to Obamacare. Uh, looks like, at least according to uh, the New York Times, they're saying that it, the subsidies were expected to total nine billion dollars in the coming year and nearly a hundred billion in the coming decade so in quotes the white house said the government cannot lawfully make the cost sharing reduction payments it also concluded that congress needs to repeal and replace the disastrous obamacare law and provide real relief for the american people we've heard them say that before so the white house's argument for getting rid of these subsidies was basically it never went through the appropriations this is something that we look at Obamacare, I think it's pretty conclusive. But you're not buying that. What? You're not buying that that's the reason for getting rid of these subsidies. Like, that's fine. That's well, the legal reason. And yeah, that's, that's the, the legal reason. Like, we can talk about the politi- you, political reason. But I do understand the the legal, if you, I'm doing air quotes here, the legal reason that, no, it didn't go through appropriations. Now, there's other things that don't go through appropriations that we don't do and we don't care about. Now, a hundred right. billion dollars over ten years is a lot of money. Basically, what the the that reasoning, from my perspective at least, is what Donald Trump's lawyer said. So, yeah. well, he had that, to find like, a, a lawful way. That's to, all nice to do and good, something. but let's let's say why the subsidies really ended because Donald Trump is on a mission to erase Barack Obama's legacy and. Well, that done. Got anything else? I'm done. <laughs> no, nope. I mean that's enough. So well, I guess I mean you could say that, and that's fine. It's not like he isn't trying to do that, but I think it's not summed up quite so neatly as that, you know, millisecond soundbite. So I think that that's definitely a reason he wants to get rid of a lot of things that Obama did, and I would support him in, in that decision. This being one of them, but again, it, it does come down to it does it work within the confines of the law? And yeah, it does. It looks like this wasn't something that the president being Obama, really should have done. 
Uh, it wasn't going through appropriations. Congress was the one who should have been doing this. And he's saying, all right, we're going to stop it and send it back to Congress. If you really like it, you'll need to pass it. Well, yeah, that kind of <laughs> makes sense. I mean, again, I can't get too upset by it. Is it some more, most of the time he's doing things like that on things I don't totally agree with. This is what I kind of do. Like I just, we all know that Obamacare isn't working, you know, it's like, the guy who's drowning and he's already under the water and you toss a life and you just keep tossing life jackets out there and you're paying it all this money for life jackets. Like, dude, he's dead. He's not coming back up. It's it, it, you know, it's, I don't know. I understand what you're saying when you say Obamacare isn't working. I would probably, I've said it on the show many times. I've taken that. Um, but we have to both admit that it is working for some people and well okay we can say it's so, working for some people but again it has to go right, to so to numbers it's of working who's for it helping. sick right it's working for sick poor people so mm-hmm. if it stops working it for those people then that won't be good i don't know that right that's that's a hard sell so yeah it is i mean again it comes down to you know do we go down with the ship the ship is sinking. Do we just kind of go down with it with everyone, make everything worse for everyone, or do we load up as many lifeboats as we can? And obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm for that option. I think that uh, everything. Are we loading up? Are we loading up lifeboats of <laughs> that would rich be, people? And that would be a bit extreme. And this upper no. middle class people, or is it? Are these across the board benefits? They're across the board benefits to anyone who wants to use them so basically that's just one thing that it does is is the subsidies but that's the one that that most people uh or at least most liberal publications have focused on the ones that more conservative publications have focused on but in my opinion not enough they're not really doing a good job of selling this i know they don't have to because it's a executive order it's already done but there are some good points to this one of it one of them being and this is coming from cnn money is that it lets more businesses join together to buy coverage so basically, it says that the department to study, uh, or Trump is directing the labor department to study how to make easier for small businesses and possible individuals to collect collectively buy health insurance through associative health plans. Uh, small employers may expand their ability to group coverage across state lines, providing them with a broader broader range of policies at lower rates. So that's good for small businesses. So I work for a big business that allows me to have pretty good insurance. But the problem with the under Obama, I mean, this isn't really a problem. It's just something we need to solve. He made it so that most smaller businesses now have to provide health insurance. And we clap and say that's a good thing. But it costs money. And since 9 out of 10 small businesses already go under, it's an extra burden that could cause places to go under. And obviously, if the business goes under, they're not employing all the employees that you're saying you, know, you want to have good health insurance. So they lose it anyway. You want to keep small right. businesses around. So this is just another thing there that that should should create more competition. Obviously, I say it a lot. Obviously, competition is good. If you pick up an economics so then, book, it's going to say, "Hey, so I'll buy that. I'll buy that argument um, absolutely." About how much? About sm- sm- <laughs> <laughs> the coverage about, hasn't gone through uh, yet. You can't afford it. Here, here's what I'm saying, though. Like, so I agree that that is a that that's an error. Um, with Obamacare that you mm-hmm. that with small businesses and I do buy into that is the effect of something like that but then there has to be a way to make 
in insurance accessible to the individual outside of the business, right? Exactly. Because because that is the necessity. It doesn't matter who it it sh, it doesn't matter who provides it. People need it. Period. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, right now they still have to they have to offer something. So there has to be some sort of of coverage plan that does pre-existing conditions and is considered affordable. Now, obviously, since the bill itself was the Affordable Care Act and everyone's premium skyrocketed, they probably have a loose curve there of what they grade on. But it's supposed to be affordable, every an option for everyone. So that's staying the same. This just opens up more options for small businesses in order to go over state lines uh, and just kind of collectively come together to kind of prop I do themselves have to, up. I do kind of think that... Um, just off the top of my head that like the poverty line has to be important to this equation. Right. Because if, um, always, because if, you know, we we're talking about how everybody's premium skyrocket, but right. this ha- this is beneficial to the poorest, sickest Americans. So you really, so the poverty line has to play in to, to this a lot and if there if the percentage of people that are poor is mm-hmm. greater than the percentage of people who are financially sound or mm-hmm. um, upper middle class or middle class or whatever if the if there are more poor people then you would have to think that at least the odds of more people benefiting from Obamacare would be true Here's right? here's the problem with that with that theory. It, you assume that everyone poor is on Obamacare. There is a massive amount. You take a look at the people because you say that people on Obamacare are poor, and you're right. The problem with that is that the percentage of them that are healthy and poor vastly outweighs those that are sick and poor. So this basically opens up more options for people who are poor but are healthy, and that's. You're you're going to help out a lot more people than that. Not everyone who's poor is obviously sick and, and dying and needs Obamacare. You save right. it for the people who do. Um, so another thing that well, it does, I, yeah, but I don't know if you have to be. I I don't know if that's a good marker either because what you're what that argument essentially is is that if that if you're sick, mm-hmm. then having insurance is should be. I get okay, so I get it because what you're saying is that like if you're sick, you should be more uh, insurance should be more available to you. I right. believe, um, but you'll have more options if you're yeah. But if you're healthy and young and you mm-hmm. stay healthy, you never incur those large bills that you would have if you were sick later in life from right. not but having still, access to health care. Right at, at this so, moment, you still have to buy though. So as as far as I I. As far as everything I've read, right? But what I'm saying, yeah. But what I'm saying, I I get that. But if you're if you're making it, and I and I understand, and I agree that poor sick people should mm-hmm. have the most benefit from it. But poor people in general should be, in my opinion, should be able to, or at least not even in my opinion, just the way that I feel like logistically it would work if poor people by income had more availability to them then even if they're healthy they don't later cost you money because they never get sick because they have mm-hmm. access to health care 
Well, that's not exactly true. Like the, the problem is, is that preventive care is great, doesn't stop everything, and especially with the American lifestyle. It doesn't. That's no, why it's not going to stop everything, but it's, it's like definitely a, a most, step. Yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction. But again, we've tried this before. We try. Well, you we, can't we, leap to where you want to get. Like yeah, well, that's the problem. There, to, we we that's we that's this the very American way of thinking. Is that like we're going to fix this now? No, we're not. That's what, yeah, that's, that's what we're saying, that this whole, well, if you just have everyone under coverage, everything will be better. That's the line of thinking that we've tried, and it doesn't work. All that happened is the, sky, the premium skyrocketed because everyone had to take advantage or had to pay out for the people who were sick and waited until they got sick to buy insurance. And everyone else was either just not buying it, like, you know, or they were just taking the penalty. Yeah. So, or they would have it, and again... It didn't just bring up premiums for poor people, which it did a lot. They had coverage that they couldn't use. So they, they pat themselves on the back. You know, Obama stood up and was like, hey, we've created more jobs than ever. And then they, the next breath, they tell you those exact same jobs. They can't support a livable wage, but they pat themselves on the back for it, for job growth for the past 30 months. Same thing with this. They say, oh, look how many people are covered. Good job. And then you look at the people who are actually using them, and it's plummeting because people can't afford it because everyone's premiums are going up. So we've tried that before. This whole, you know, well, let's just make sure everyone's, uh, you know, got in, got coverage. It depends on what type of coverage it is. It depends on who's able to buy it. Depend. So the idea with this is that you take these companies and you say instead of every single plan that you offer having to do pre-existing conditions, you just have to offer one plan that does pre-existing conditions. Obviously that plan mm -hmm. will be higher. Well, sub like that'll need to be subsidized, but the rest of the plans will take care of themselves. So you don't have, so those premiums can be lowered. More people will buy it because now they can, or more people can yeah, afford it and use it because they can. Cause I know people who are covered and they say, I still can't go to the doctor because I can't afford the bill. It's only going to okay, cover 40%. But in this scenario, don't you think you're creating a, a situation where I, a, the government doesn't necessarily subsidize said plan, and even if they do, if the if the rate of that plan, the pre-existing mm -hmm. condition plan, is so astronomical in comparison, then even if it's subsidized, it's still unaffordable. Right. In theory. Well, not necessarily, but in yeah, theory. The, the idea is not to have the government subsidize anything. What you're subsidizing is you're taking – or it's more capital allocation. It's just – the company itself going, now we're so much more profitable. We're offering eight plans, and instead of having to do pre-existing for all of them and everything's convoluted and we have to raise premiums on everything. Yeah, but what we, I'm saying is there are people that are going to now need the yes, pre-existing conditions. Let, They're going to be forced into that. And if the, yes. if the cost of plan A through D is we'll just use bullshit numbers here, $5,000 mm -hmm. and plan A E is $20,000 and that is where you have to go with pre-existing conditions, mm -hmm. then that is the, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, listen, cause this is how it's supposed to work again. Right now you have to raise rates on all of the plans. If you just go to one with pre-existing condition, you funnel the sick and the people, the poor, the pre-existing all into that plan. Well, now you're able to sell these plans to everyone else that brings in more money because more people are, are buying them. Now you can use that money and shift it over to take care of the cost because there's not as many sick people as we think there are, and it offsets. And this is how car insurance works. You pull a lot of people's money in that aren't getting into accidents because they have to buy it, and then you can offset the people who 
legitimately got rear-ended and you have to pay out because guess what? They're paying you for that. So that's the idea. The problem is, is this when you spread that pain across eight different plans and then you make it so no one can buy, people have to pull out. That's why you see all the insurance companies leaving. It's not because they're like, well, you know what? I've just decided I hate poor people. No, they're not <laughs> making any money. <laughs> so they can't cover the cost of these plans. And so they have to pull out. And again, we see it every couple of months. We see premiums for Obamacare set to increase by 200%, 300%, whatever it is. And it's just, it's not sustainable. And for whatever reason, you know, Bernie Sanders and those people will be like, oh, it is, just don't worry about it. And it's like, guys, we've seen the writing on the wall. It clearly isn't. We've tried this. It doesn't work. We need to have competition. We need to drive premiums lower. You know, and that's how you're going to do it. Because like, like I said, even me and in, in my situation and uh, things like that, where I've had to look at things and go, I don't know if I can cover it. I have insurance, but it's only going to pay 40%. I don't know if I could do any better, you know, as opposed to if I was going to go a different plan, maybe one that's more, there's maybe there's one in Illinois that says, hey, you know, this is exactly what we cover and it's the one thing that I need and then I don't have to pay as much. Yeah, so competition's good. You want competition. You want to have as much out there available as possible. And this kind of allows that to happen, at least for that part. So then the other thing it does is it extends short-term coverage policies. So this is something that used to be, um, before Obamacare came, this was the law of the land. It says they were originally designed to insure people for several months while they are in between jobs or going through other life transitions. Some plans provided coverage for up to a year. The Obama administration last year limited the duration to 90 days. These plans may have lower rates, but they are typically provide less comprehensive coverage. So again, it's kind of that just see me through to the next, you know, I'm going through a job, so I'm going to just get this bare bones insurance just in case something happens. It's almost like liability insurance for a car. It's not really going to cover anything, but you know, it's not your fault if you, if you get hit or, or something like that. So... Um, but it said it would exclude those with pre-existing conditions. So this is something that, again, was going on. They tried, the Obama administration didn't like that it didn't cover pre-existing conditions and tried to limit it. So uh, this executive order allows that to go back up to a year if you want it. So you have to be, you have to be looking for it. Um, let's see here. Here's the other thing that they say. It said it expands employees' ability to, or employers' ability to give workers cash to buy coverage elsewhere. Um, so this is a big thing because right now, obviously, that, that's the big way that we have health insurance in our system. It's provided from our jobs. That's why they say get a good job. That's how you get all these different benefits. There's another way that it kind of uh, where they're called HRAs, where they reimburse workers for kind of a wider array of expenses, which also include premiums. Um, so the health care reform bill pretty much barred all the uses of those on the individual market. This would take it back. So is it going to fix everything? No, you're going to need to have, <laughs> you're going to need to have Congress to do that. But I think that this, uh, I think executive order is a, a decent step. I don't think it's terrible. Like, you know, all the media has been saying it's been. But what do you think the, to, to finish up or at least flip it to the other aspect, what do you think the political outcome of it is? Because it does have, it has the Everything has a political out either outcome. way. Yeah. I, um, Again, I think it's going to come down to it. I think the conservatives are going to like it. Uh, we're still a year away from from any type of elections, so we're, there's going to be a lot of time to talk about it. So, 
but by him doing this, you say he's tossed it to Congress. So now what does Congress mm-hmm. do? Well, how oh, do they're not they doing act? anything. No, we're not getting any type of health care. Well, I'll say this. This does switch it because now if we do want to focus on the political aspect, here's the legal, here's what it's going to do. But the political thing is what he basically did was grab, tried to grab the Democrats by the nuts. Now, I don't know if he's got hold of both nuts or if he can squeeze them, but he's trying to grab them. And basically what he was I, doing. I don't see. I think that's I agree that that's what he's trying to do. But I actually I don't see. I don't know being, if he's got them. It's both sides, though. That's the problem. He's trying to grab the Democrats by the dick, but the the problem with that (laughs) is the fact that the Republicans are just as much to blame here as Democrats. They've had their opportunity. I wouldn't say they're just... I wouldn't say they're just as much. They dropped the ball, absolutely. They didn't put a flaming ball on your nutsack and said, told you it was lovely. So they didn't do quite as much. but they... No, but they instead of actually right, they failed to remove the flaming thing from your ball sack. They were like, yeah, "Oh, no, we're gonna get the there thing, eventually." At, at least you know we always talk about how Congress hasn't worked for X amount of years. That started with that Congress with those yeah. guys not doing anything. So yeah, it's fine. That they they didn't pass a shit bill like the Democrats did. But guess what? At least the Democrats legislated. These guys don't do anything except fake vote 68 fucking times <laughs> on health care where they know it's not going to get passed. And then when they control all of the government, they can't get it done. Yeah, so, complete yeah, waste of money. The, Democrats, the Democrats did pass a bad bill like so many other parties throughout time have yeah, done. But absolutely. at least they fucking worked. Like, See, I don't, know if that, I don't know if that's the argument I'd lead with because – you know, that's like coming up and your house is on fire and then you we're, we're focusing on nuts a lot here. But coming up to somebody whose house is on fire, kicking them in the nuts and like, I'm helping. What do you mean? Like, no, we've had seven years of kicking dudes in the nuts. We know it's not working. Probably time to stop doing it. Like I said, some people would say that they did help and they. Yeah, those they would. People, but, uh, again, you know, I understand that the, the personal and, and we can do that. I mean, both sides can do that where they can point to. Uh, individuals and say this is this has helped but again it's pretty conclusive now that obamacare has hurt the majority of americans premiums for everyone has risen to a, a unsubst un we just can't do it we, there's no way that we can continue with these premium increases and did we get something good out of it we did we started covering pre-existing conditions but at some point you gotta balance it out and if it doesn't balance it out it's like trying to take in as many cats as you can like that's really nice Eventually, you've got 50 cats and you can't feed them, and then you die and the cats eat you. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then nothing's good. Everything's bad at that point. So, again, like we, we did something good. We just overextended ourselves, and there was no damn plan for how to make it better. And, again, the Democrats said that they had a great plan. They didn't. The Republicans said that they had a better plan, and they clearly don't. So, again, is this, yeah. is this an end-all? Or is this a, a cure-all? No, it isn't. I think it is a good a step in the right direction. And I think that, you know, I know we've we've talked about many times before that, you know, Republicans are going to own this. I'm not so sure anymore because there's nothing to own. What can you say that they own? Obamacare? Well, they clearly don't. There's something, you know, if they passed a terrible bill, which they really wanted to, you know, you could say they own that. I just don't see it. I don't. No, they don't own Obamacare. That's for sure. But they will own. Well, that's what we got. They will own. They will own whatever hurt comes from. 
I don't see it that way, man. Cities. I mean, what? The Democrats don't get any of the blame for all the hurt for the past seven years? I mean, people were pretty upset about this. For yeah, a while. but no, I'm, what I'm talking about is the people who are currently benefiting. The people who are currently betting, benefiting from Obamacare when yeah. this ends are only going to look at the guy who signed the paper. They're not going to look back at the 10 year history of this bullshit. So. Yeah. Well, I guess, and then you can't fault anyone for doing anything else. I mean, obviously, we're going to vote for our best interest. That's the whole pop, That's the whole reason for voting. You're supposed to vote right. for your own interest. So again, so I, I just don't see what that, that those remains people... to be seen is how many of them there are. Yeah, and again, I don't. It. We had this discussion earlier. Like, if you say six million people are on Obamacare, which I think it's like nine million or something, actually, or, or even higher. I can't remember what the exact number is, but there's a. At least tens of millions of people on Obamacare. Yeah, you could say that, you know, their votes definitely, that's where, you know, we'll see if that's their deciding factor for their vote. But I don't think that they're all going to go one way or the other. I don't think that that's the deciding factor for all of them. They might have other options. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is for all of them. But I think that when you take somebody's doctor away from them, that's a pretty big reason to vote away. Yeah, but that's what they did. Obama said you can keep your doctor, and then he lied to everyone, and then 300 million Americans got lost their doctor. So, I mean, if you're trying to stack 300 million against 10 million, uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, you have a point, but— it's, it's not on the right side. This is the side that outweighs it. You know, right. There's more the difference people. is the difference is if you turn, if those 9 million people mm-hmm. who voted whatever way they voted before have their doctors taken away and they do blame the person who signed the paper, then you're looking at a, Luckily for you, the popular vote doesn't matter, but you're looking at a four million a four million vote swing to a theoretical seven or eight million. Mm-hmm. Now your electoral college is shit. So yeah, again that'll we're dealing in a world of hypotheticals here. We're just swimming through all these huge hypothetical hypotheticals. Moves. Like <laughs> yeah, so we'll yeah. have to we'll have to see where it goes. But my reasoning stems from the fact that more people are benefiting from this than not. Now, I, I haven't taken into – there's no way to really take into account the feel-good aspect of the Democratic Party. You know, the people that say, well, I'm voting this way because it's the right thing to do, regardless if it actually is, but they're being told it is. So mm. that's hard to gauge. You know, if you're being told, well, they're just killing all the poor people. Well, I don't like that. I'm not voting for that. So, right. you know, there's no real way to figure out if, how many people are going to get switched over. But if I'm a betting man, which of course I am, I'm going to say that I don't – I don't see this being a big thing. Again, we've got a year until the midterms. There's lots of time to talk this over, to see the benefits of it, to have people allowed to get different health care, more options, and more competition. Uh, if we see what we have seen with the stock market where the thing keeps going up, 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 if we start seeing if we do, but if trickle we see, down, down, down. If we see the opposite, though, if we see this go bad. Yeah, then... it could. And then we'll see. Then you have to reassess. Right. And a year is we'll long see, enough what, within rate terms to track it. So same with this. Right. I mean, the stock market is pretty, pretty in the moment, and these rates are a little bit less because it's got to go quarterly. But we've got a full fiscal year here pretty much. Because right. I think right now is whenever the, the Obamacare uh, exchange opens up again. I'm pretty sure I heard that earlier. November. That they were is it November? Yeah. So we're, they're yeah. going right into their fiscal year. So we're going to have a full fiscal right. year's worth of uh, data to take a look at. Data, as Hillary yeah. Clinton would say. 
but <laughs> so I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I what I took from this segment was that if you like Obamacare, you are going to die, and your cats will eat you. So <laughs> that's the only thing to take away, man. CBS News has learned that just hours before he was fired by his own company, Harvey Weinstein sent a letter asking other Hollywood executives to support him. In that letter, he wrote, quote, I am desperate for your help. Good morning. President Trump will sanction Iran's Revolutionary Guard, and then he will say the nuclear deal is no longer in America's best interest. His national security advisors have scrambled to stop him from tearing up that deal, and today he'll ask Congress and the Secretary of State to fix it. It's a high-stakes gamble, and it's aimed at unraveling President Obama's signature foreign policy achievement. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is a frequent target of criticism on social media. But one Twitter user under the name Jones Smith with the handle of at for argument existed solely to defend the commissioner, taking aim at his critics with tweets like this one. Responding to an article about the NFL's response to President Trump's attacks, criticizing the reporters involved, reads like press release from Players Union. You can do better reporting. Another tweet scolded a columnist for posting this picture of the commissioner saying, Roger Goodell with three guys who will be disowned by their families tomorrow. The Twitter user fired back, why is everyone so immature, including you? But this morning in a surprise twist, the Wall Street Journal says the author of those tweets, Goodell's wife, Jane Skinner Goodell, a former Fox News anchor. Right, and we are back. So we are going to just jump into the rest of the week now. 
because of our ridiculous recording schedule this week. Right. Um, you know, we don't we don't have two hours for you, okay? Jeez. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll start off in in this bit with uh, the biggest Pito social media asked, story. <laughs> you know. Pedo asked Harvey Weinstein, holy shit, <laughs> like, what what the fuck, man? Um, Pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Gross and disgusting. And what the fuck? Like, everybody knew? Everybody fucking knew? certainly seems Uh, as though everybody knew. But let's pretend that people don't know and fill them in here. So, for people who don't know, Harvey Weinstein is a major Hollywood mogul. Um, Obviously, his name is for the Weinstein Company, which produced quite a few good movies. uh, Goodwill Hunting. Um, I mean, there was a, a ton of them, especially in the '90s that he that he produced, and even now into um, you know later times. He's a pretty massive figure. Uh, Meryl Streep has called him a god in her acceptance speeches. Multiple people have you know credited him in their Academy Award acceptance speeches. He has multiple Oscars of his own, doesn't he? Uh, man, I, I couldn't tell you the exact count or anything, but I know that he's a big deal. And yeah. so for everyone else who doesn't know as well, over this past 30 to 40 year career, he has been using his position to take advantage of women. Um, at least I think it's been all women. I haven't heard any other uh, accusations made against him. Um, but there's been just a mountain, just a huge mudslide of allegations that have come his way after um, – I'm trying to think of who the original one was. It Rose Mc. I mean, I can't think of her name right now, but she was an actress who basically said, "No, I'm not staying quiet," and started talking out, and um, it just snowballed from there. And basically, he got exposed. We say exposed, but again, a big chunk of this discussion is going to be on how much people knew and talked about it and joked about it, and it just seemed like it was common knowledge. You had Angelina Jolie. She came out and basically said, told everyone that she was working with that, you know, don't work with Harvey Weinstein. I can't remember what movie she was working on with him, but he tried the moves on her. Uh, I don't think it, it went anywhere, but he certainly tried. And she said that she made the conscious decision at that point never to work with him again. And every female that she ever encountered, she said, you know, stay away from. And she's not the only one to say that. There's a ton of actresses who said the same thing. We all knew there was a kind of a, a network of women that would say, you know, don't do it. Again, you would see a lot of women still do it because they wanted to move up in their career. It was usually a lot of young actresses just starting out. And then, you know, it's holy shit, it's Harvey Weinstein, you know. And um, unfortunately, most of the stories go the same way where he show, tells them to come up to – He's got all his enablers, all the people who work for him, his agents and things like that, who would set this mm-hmm. up. And so then, you know, the girl would show up and she would be escorted to his room where he's sitting there in his bathrobe or naked or something. And, you know, you hear the same story that they felt, you know, they didn't like what they were seeing. But at the same time, it was kind of their boss. <laughs> they wanted to get the and part. And who would, honestly? Like. <laughs> yeah. Dude is probably the ugliest man on planet, dude. Like, that guy is... He's like a greasy walrus. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah. For anyone who watches Futurama, there's a hilarious episode where Bender becomes a really fat seal, or like a manatee or something, and that's what he looks like. It's just terrible. Everything about it's yeah. bad. <laughs> and, 
And I think one of the women even said that. She have was you like, seen that picture? Sorry, I know I'm being yeah. fucking trivia, trivial and horrible right now, but <laughs> this is the rest of the week, so I'm allowed to. Right. Um, it, the, there's the picture they keep showing in the media of him standing next to Michael Moore. And, like, <laughs> on like together on stage, that's, like, one of the most repulsive things I've ever... Right. Like, you... That's a hard thing to do to to um, to fit that much much repulsion <laughs> onto one stage, right? Michael Moore himself looks like a wax figure that was left too close to the oven. So they're both just kind of like <laughs> melting in their own disgustingness. Like, Ugh. no, yeah. we're not judgmental though. But <laughs> no, Michael Moore. I thought Michael Moore um, played fat bastard in Austin Powers. <laughs> he certainly could have. But yeah, again, we, there's a, a shit ton of those pictures where this man was idolized. And I mean, again, you can't say it enough about Meryl Streep calling him a god. They really thought that he... Now, I believe her whenever she says that she didn't know anything about it. I know that a lot of people have said, how could how could you? I think she is right when she says that maybe not everybody knew. He claimed, She claimed that he never did anything with her. And it does seem like his sort of his thing was to go after younger actresses. She's obviously been around the business a lot longer. So I don't know if she knew. And at least me personally, I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Other people like, um, and I don't like Meryl Streep. I'm sure me and you have had many conversations about her. And Yeah, and I think we've even had a few here. But I think that... But I don't know that the age thing goes so much into it for me, yeah. like her age, because he's been around for just as long as she has. Yeah, he so has. She, w- she would have been young when he was doing this in the 70s. So Yeah. And that was his excuse, yeah. too. Whenever he got caught, he was just like, well, you know, I just I grew up he in the 60s. He tried to make himself the victim. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> poor boo-hoo you. Fuck <laughs> off, man. And then, um, well, so basically, as this was coming and the the wheels were churning it was obvious that something was going down he did a desperate last minute plea to the academy to the board of the Weinstein company and said let me take a leave of absence I can come back from this no you fucking can't (laughs) there is no way in shit you are coming back from this absolutely not like I don't know if he he shouldn't no he he shouldn't come back F this guy man like no um when they were at the (laughs) Wow, what do they say? His and I'm gonna get in so much trouble for this, but his oh. daughter said that his uh, that he was on like Suicide Watch. It was like, okay, that's a good candidate, <laughs> right? Like, right. All things considered, I, you know, I, I've, I I've heard really, worse news this week. Right. So, I I don't know. Just like what what a scumbag, and all of the people that knew. Now, not the victims, because I think that. I think people should be very careful to be like, why did these women not? Because I've heard that a few times this week. And it's like, you well, typically hear you gotta, that. You got to put yourself in that position. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, that's That would never, ever be. That would, that would, I don't there's like a, that argument. There's a multitude of reasons why someone would keep silent about. But why, but, but why would everybody else that knew? Like, why would the. You said Seth MacFarlane made a joke. Like, yeah. why would those people. Why did those people not come out? The people they knew about it that weren't directly affected. But I mean, I guess I think it's the content. Play well. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Like, if 
we see this in the NFL. It's not like I mean, this everyone guy, wants to look this, and say this liberals. guy is money, right? Like yeah. that guy. That's why he's in Hollywood. So like he could really make or break any career. He could theoretically, yeah, absolutely. And also, he's putting out good content, um, which can't be overlooked. Because again, whenever she said, you know, oh, Harry Weinstein's a god, she's play. She's not wrong when she's describing that aspect of him. The man was was cinematically brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, you can't take that away from someone. I mean, I know that, but again, that's why whenever I see a lot of um, liberals are trying to, they don't really want to ignore this. This they're, they're giving it its due, but I think conservatives are making. Uh, too much when it comes to political lines. We should obviously make a big deal about the story itself, but to look at it and say, oh, mm-hmm. look, it's liberals. It's all of them. They all knew. They're all terrible. Everything's bad. They completely right. forget everything that happens in the NFL. Now, I know it's not all conservative in the NFL, but still, you know, Ray Rice comes in and punches his girlfriend in the face, but he's good. Baltimore Ravens need him. So let's just go ahead and keep it. Adrian Peterson <laughs> can beat his kid with a switch, eh, well, but he's and good. How many... How many times have we seen this in politics? We see people cheat on people all the time. We yeah, that tends to, to hold. Clinton did it. Yeah, it we, tends to usually exact a pretty a, a little bit dearer of a penalty uh, in politics. But we have seen people yeah, shrug it off. But um, right, and that's what. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about like Congress though. We're talking about yeah. people because we're saying like, here's what the conservative media is saying about liberals, and here's what. Um, you know these people are saying about those people like it really comes down to like the general public and i think right. i think a lot of times when, if you're scumbags. the guy if you're the guy that's hearing uh, a woman a day come out in the during the trump campaign and make allegations there were a lot of people that before giving that a, mm-hmm. a thought had already determined that he was innocent and right. on the flip side there were a lot of people who before even hearing a thought or having a thought determined that he was guilty of rape or whatever. Like right. there, people kind of do this and it's not just with these current politicians. I mean, we see it all through time. So I right. don't know. I it's just, just the, the way but, it's been. I think that the, um, I, I'm kind of torn when it comes to this, whenever people say like, well, you know, if people knew for 30 years, why didn't they do anything and, and all of that? Like, and I get it because there are people who to, you know, Matt Damon and Russell Crowe, came whenever to i believe it was the new york times and um said because the new york times was going to run a story uh, and i can't remember the name of the the woman uh, but she's really big into the story right now because she came out and basically corroborated everything and said no we were good to go like we were set we had this whole thing this whole story and then russell crowe and matt damon came and said personally vouched for harvey weinstein and told us like no you know, we know this guy that was this whole angle in the story. And she was like, well, of course, it's the Times. They're going to let me run the story. But Harvey Weinstein donated so much money to the Times and they killed the story. So, I mean, the dude was just connected. I mean, even whenever you think, yeah. you know. He the- literally has in his contract, like he got fired from the Weinstein Company, right? Or whatever it's called. They just let him go, um, yeah. Yeah. And he has in his contract that. He cannot get fired from his company amidst sexual harassment allegations as long as he pays out settlements out of his own pocket. He literally <laughs> – so first of all, I, now I'm hoping that he's smart enough not to try to invoke that legal grounds to right. take his job back. Give it two or three years dumb. and he might try it. I mean people tend to the, get 
when she they... should never, ever, ever see another camera ever <laughs> for the rest of ever. No. Um, There's but, enough good content what... out there, buddy. We don't need you. You go do your own thing. See you later. Right. Or don't do your own thing since your own thing is kind of fucked up and disgusting. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, it, but the you know, I just think that um, – I don't know, man. This, this it this is fucking nuts. Yeah, um, that's, the, that's the way it is. And like I said, I mean, when it comes to it, shit, if you just look at the New York Times story, you look at everyone else who had tried to come out and say that this was happening, then to him pleading with everyone not to do it, we can all point and say, well, what was it? But it, it's obvious what it was. It was evidence. I mean, they had a basically a woman wore a wire. She was. Um, Man, what was she? Some sort of Italian actress, maybe? Something like that. I know she had a very I can't remember. She had a very thick accent in the video, but basically she said that he, you know, she walked up, he started grabbing her breast, and she didn't like it. And so then she confronted him. She went to the authorities, she wore a wire, she came in, and you know, he, you hear him and just the nonchalantness in his voice really kind of it really told the story that this is a guy who's practiced. You know, he, she was like, well, I didn't want you to practice like, enough to have a clause in his contract that <laughs> yeah. he can't get fired for raping people. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. He was just kind of like, Oh, come in, come on, just come in. Let's get out of there. She was like, well, you grab me. And he's like, I won't do it again. Okay, whatever. Just get over here. It, it like just dismissive. while still commanding the situation, still giving her orders. I mean, yeah, there's, there's got to be a case study on this guy at some point because this was like there, next there was level a, shit. Isn't that isn't that where he said the thing about like, well, how do you think how do you think these people got their start? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. what? Oh I mean, my god! Just... But that's the thing, man. You get away with it for so long, it it becomes practiced, and you just go on autopilot. And that's what this guy was doing. He was doing it to to damn near everybody. Yeah, Claire Delavine tells the story. Uh, for people who don't know, she was in um, she was the enchantress in Suicide Squad, and she's kind of an up and coming actress as well. And you know, she said that she went to work with him. She showed up. He wanted her to make out with another girl. She didn't want to do it. So then she just started to stand up to, tri- but she didn't want to leave because that was a big moment in her career. And so she said, "Well, what can I do to get out of this?" So she just stood up and started singing. You know, he got kind of weirded out, and then that was the end of it. But, like, you see people have all these stories about these defense mechanisms on just how to... At the same time, they don't want to leave the situation because, I mean, the guy runs the show. You know, it's basically yeah. like saying you're blackballed. If you don't do this, you're just not going to make it. You know? So there's lots yeah. of reasons. I don't I don't like the whole thing where people try to, to blame. There's, there's so many different reasons of why someone would be silent. And there's so many different things. Obviously, no, now people are starting to understand, you know, sexual abuse a little bit more, or, or especially in positions of power, um, right? Because it's, it's yeah, it's so much more prevalent. Well, it's, I'm not gonna say it's so much more prevalent now because it's not. The 70s and the 80s it's existed. More pow- well, it's. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's more powerful. That it's, seems yeah, redundant. it's not accepted um, as much. And obviously, it was the rule, the the law of the land at some point. You know, go watch Mad Men. <laughs> that shit happened. But, right. you know, now it's starting to, to, to realize to these older bosses and stuff, you can't do it. Like, I get it. You're in a position of power. And to women, too. Like, we had this conversation where they say, I, I saw a couple of people saying, oh, it's all men. Why, what? It's just men in these positions. No. Have you not been paying attention to all the teachers who have been sleeping with their students? 
Like there's a shit ton yeah, of them. Yeah, what is that? Where was that when I was growing up? Like, I think what we're just is more, going on. I think we're just more connected now. I think this was going on for uh, forever. You know, I just think that you, you think get so? a position. Of, yeah, I do. I think you get a position Prob- of yeah, power. Yeah, that's probably. That's and, probably absolutely correct. Yeah, there's just there's more women in teaching than there there are. There's more men as, as Hollywood moguls. That's just the way it is. And they're they're dinosaurs. They're left over from a different time. And I don't think it'll always be that way. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it because I can tell the conservatives are always going to bash, you know, men being in positions. No, but I do think that there's more men. So you're probably going to see more abuse towards women in this field. Same with teaching. You're going to see more abuse towards men because they're teachers. So it's bad. It's all bad. (laughs) But I'm glad that there's one less scumbag walking around now and i'm sure that there's a lot of actresses Stop now being so that... goddamn rapey america what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> it's not just america trust me man it's been around for a long time but Stop being so rapey people <laughs> all of you people all you rapers everyone yeah but i'm i'm glad he's gone obviously it doesn't fix the problem like you had Corey feldman come out he's been coming out for a long time talking about how and toby mcguire has talked about it too how and macaulay culkin uh, talking about not just the sexual abuse, but the prostitute or not the the uh, pedophilia aspect of it, to where young child actors. I mean, he you had um, Corey Feldman saying that they were just getting passed around, and they were fourteen years old. They didn't know what to do, and you realize that you know you're surrounded by these guys. It's not like we didn't yeah. know this was happening. There's lots of people right. who have come out lots of times, and then over the past coming days, you saw um, what's his name. Uh, not The Rock, Terry Crews. Terry Crews came out and said the same thing. He said it happened to him last year, that he got fondled by an executive in front of his wife, but he couldn't do anything because he knew that if he attacked the guy, he was going to get in trouble, and he knew that you know if he tried doing anything else against the guy, he had so many connections. You know, you saw the same thing from James Vanderbeek came out and said that yeah, it it happens all the time. So a big thing going on right now is on social media, you see a lot of women and men as well that are are, uh, putting the status update of Me Too. And it's just to to see if something's ever happened to you, to show the magnitude of it. And I've seen a lot of my friends, unfortunately, who are posting the same thing. You know, it's it's big. There's lots going on. Luckily, it's having ramifications. And we're seeing, uh, again, it's not going to fix the problem, but at least we're seeing one guy getting out of there. Um, I know that the same thing has happened to the guy who was the creator of Screen Junkies. He was doing the same thing. They got him out. Uh, Amazon yeah. was it? Amazon or was it? Um, who was uh, it? I think th- no. I heard Uber. Uber. Um, that was it. Yeah. I think there was some. Sorry, was some Amazon guy. Not to put you on blast. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He's like, I what think the fuck? I, I'm almost. I'm almost positive. I'll have to look it up, and if I, it, I'll look it up, and I'll put it in the comments. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that I read um, that it was Uber guys that were having like, and I don't know, like I mean, I'm sure that this does fall into sexual harassment because I don't know that office orgies are common practice, but eh. um, <laughs> you know that they were doing that, and like a bunch of them were forced to resign, and like. And it was really weird. And then after what the story got even weirder, because like months after the uh, the the main guy, the like founder had resigned or whatever, the company wanted him back. And it was like it was almost it was almost like we want the fun guy back. Like, remember (laughs) when we used to have orgies on Fridays? Right. Um, Someone watched Wolf of Wall Street and was like, get him back. 
<laughs> right. I don't. I don't totally know what that whole. I don't remember the, every detail of that story. I'll find it. Um, but I know the guys at Lyft loved it because they're like, "Watch these guys fuck up, and we're just gonna take over this whole market right now." So, right. you know. But anyway. Yeah. I so think I guess I think. Yeah, we we, we <laughs> basically ahead. summed it up. I mean, raping bad. Don't do it. And uh, for everyone else too, if they you know. Anyone who feels that way, come out. There's never been a better time to come out and say, hey, this is happening because people are, are right. actually listening now. And I think we're going to see some positive things uh, and some actual progress. The progressive side of me is is cheering because I do think we're going to see actual progress coming out of this. Ha- hashtag don't be a raper. For real. For serious. <laughs> right. Hashtag duh. <laughs> so anyway – all right, moving along into um, another another one. I'll let you another one. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you run this whole show today. So <laughs> give me give, give me some Iran deal, which uh, we've talked about for the last three episodes, kind of. Yeah, um, again, I don't have much on it really. I mean, obviously, we should probably touch on it because it happened. Um, Donald Trump had been kind of hinting for weeks, you know, that he was oh, it's coming up that Iran deal. Maybe we continue it maybe we don't so the big news is that we're continuing it but he's really not happy with it so he didn't <laughs> he didn't as far as i could tell um and i didn't delve deeply into it so correct me if i'm wrong but he basically came out and said that he did he wouldn't sanction it or he wouldn't um whatever recertify it or whatever it is but then rex tillerson came out and was like there's no change <laughs> and you know, like the president's really upset, and so am I. But there's now, no change. Thank, thanks to last week and your dumbass. Every time I see Rex Tillerson, <laughs> Rex Tillerson, all I hear is I look bored and stoned at the same time. <laughs> Somebody help me! I'm in prison. <laughs> right. No, that dude seriously just looks like he's just going through the motions. Like I've I've never seen someone who looks at least appears to hate his life quite so much as Rex he Tillerson. He looks like Herman Munster, doesn't he? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't say that. It's, <laughs> right, it's that damn Rhodes, eh? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It doesn't look like anything's I, changing. I mean, obviously we can talk about, um, as we have before, that I don't think it's a great deal. I don't like it. Um, is it anything to show that they were, weren't adhering to it but again there's a lot of fail safes put in place by them to make it so you wouldn't be able to tell (laughs) i mean it's the same thing it's the same thing we saw with saddam um old saddam right we we were we were allowed to come in and look at places but only certain places and only at certain times and you know same well just like um just like uh what's his name um that being said, Syria. Like, I understand why the world works the way it does. That, like, as far as those types of diplomatic relations go, but just like for a second, put yourself in Iran's shoes. Pick, uh, pick I don't a, know. I think we can a, drive. <laughs> pick a country. Vladimir. Vladimir decides to come over here and is like, "Hey, Don, I need to check these these." military bases because right. I don't want you to have this. Like we're not going to be kind of apprehensive. That. Yeah. I mean obviously we wouldn't so that, do that. 
Like we wouldn't I'm not be okay defending with that. The, I, I'm not defending anything that Iran stands for or anything like that. All I'm saying is that like, you know, it's easy to say like, well, they won't let us look at their shit, but like they are a country. We are a different country across the world. <laughs> that kind of makes a little sense. Right. So, no, I get it. You know. Like like I said, I, get, I understand why they want sovereignty and all of that. It's just kind of at the same time, you sit there and you go, no, we also haven't been saying we're going to bomb everybody for the <laughs> for the past, you know, well, 15 years not, or so. I mean, I'm pretty sure for like the last 10 months we have been, though. So Yeah, you might have me on that one because he certainly <laughs> – it's just the calm <laughs> so, before the storm. No big deal. the calm deal. before the storm. You know what this um, is? The calm yeah, no. I we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, so, all right. we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> with that. And anytime something happens, we're going to talk about it because it is a big deal. It's a big deal. Right. Anytime that Iran gets brought up, they're, I believe, one of our biggest geopolitical adversaries, um, not Russia. <laughs> and, right. Uh, I mean, clearly, the biggest one is North Korea, but we, we know China. that. China. Yeah, China ain't helping the matter, but anyway, I guess we can move on to... Um, we will was... move on to one that I haven't told you about yet, so, because surprise. I saw you comment, I saw it, I saw it, there's a surprise, remember the surprise that I promised last week that I already determined <laughs> we failed at delivering? Just kidding, this was it the whole time. Surprise, um, motherfucker. So, I saw you actually comment on this on, I think you might have tagged me in it in fact yeah i got Facebook a lot of opinions so ben shapiro um so conservatives got their panties in a twist this week over eminem saying some things at a rap show so did you watch that did you did you get a chance to see i did not eminem's freestyle okay first of all let me let me set up my eminem knowledge here for the audience when i was a kid I Eminem was probably the first. Um, I was an angsty kid, so this is start there, yeah, me right? Too. So I was I was very angsty. Um, and, I had a Marshall Mathers record. It was pretty. Sweet. I want to say that Eminem came out, or at least like that song, the real Slim Shady, which was the first one I got into off his yeah. second on TRL. Album. <laughs> uh, yes. That came out, I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. And that transformed a good portion of my like 12 to like 16, 17 year old self. Um, and my parents, I was raised in a very, very Christian Catholic household um, with five brothers and sisters. And my parents, not huge fans of Eminem, not going <laughs> to lie. And they, they would tell you why. that. To, so... I want to say that the Marshall Mathers LP is probably the album that I've purchased more times than probably all other music that I have ever purchased at all. Like, I have owned that CD probably upwards of 15 times. And every time that I owned it, my parents found wherever I hid it in my room broke it into a thousand pieces and then like <laughs> grounded me for like I was grounded for the majority of 12 to 17 that's well. left bro so you got a strong yeah. case <laughs> so so I so I know a little bit of Eminem history um because I I listened to Eminem a lot I liked Eminem I think that Eminem is a clever rapper for the way yeah. that 
for his style, right? This wasn't good. Like oh, I bummer. watched I watched this rap it was a freestyle, so let's give him that. Like I would say that <laughs> what, Trump's a dumb em- orange is porn. <laughs> I would say that when Eminem writes things, he is very clever. But when he freestyles, first of all, he's 43 years old. So (laughs) it would be okay to not be rapping anymore. Right. Um, Wouldn't be a bad thing. He hasn't been around for a long time. I know he's got a new album coming out. So I'm sure this is part of it. That's why he was on BET in the first place. But I also think that over over time – I felt, anyway, personally, like Eminem's whole, like, flow and shtick and the whole thing got kind of stale. Like, it didn't – He, you know how – Eminem had a formula, right? So on every CD, he would have, like, the kitschy, real Slim Shady song and then a bunch of, like, hip-hop songs, rap songs, whatever. And he was – really good at freestyling back in the day and this wasn't good to me and it was all about donald trump and it was all about like uh, donald trump not having the balls to fight me and it was like but did you ever challenge him to like i don't remember a challenge being i do the best rap battles Um, bring it on you fucking mars bar go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) right it was just so weird to watch it, and he was in, like, a parking garage, and there was a bunch of people standing around in the background that were, like, kind of nodding their head. No yeah. music going whatsoever. It was just him freestyling, and he, like, messed up once, and it was – I just didn't – So See, I didn't watch but it. here's the thing. No, you didn't, but your point was the best point on the internet. <laughs> he – like, what did you say? You're like, oh, my God, a rapper using his free speech to express ideas. Yeah, Who would have thought? Like, yeah, because, of course, shut up. Every, every conservative publication that I subscribed to had freaked out. It was just like, oh, my God, Eminem's doing this on the president. It's like, he can fucking do it. It's called free speech. It's the thing that we keep talking and about over and over he's again. Known, he's also known for doing shit like that. Eminem takes whatever is popular. <laughs> whatever's popular right now and says shit about it. He built his career yeah. off making fun of Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. Right. Duh. Now personally, like, I have Trump fatigue. I not Trump fatigue in the in the sense of I, I have Trump fatigue. I don't like what he's That's doing. For sure. I have liberal hate Trump fatigue where again, like it, it every time I get online I also it, think it's that, the same I also three think you insults. Have sent- I think you have sense of humor fatigue too, because I think I think that <laughs> no, most people that, don't don't it, think I have a sense of humor fatigue. I think my sense of humor is pretty much intact. I just don't think I don't it's know. funny. Like when I say it, whenever I come, get online and I see the same thing, it's like Donald Trump went to the movies. I bet he bought his ticket with his small hands. <laughs> it's like that's not fucking funny. <laughs> right. You didn't make a joke. You're just recycling old shit. And then, you know, right. you see Saturday Night Live that just... And again, they did all this with Bill Clinton and everything else, I remember. But it just feels malicious when it comes to here. And it's just... It, the Overall, it's not funny. It's not clever. You need to be clever right. if you're going to make something funny. If you're just going to say small hands, orange, and that's it, and five-year-old, it's not funny. You need to up your game, dudes. So I don't, I don't know what he said. I heard it wasn't very good. You seem to not think it's very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I didn't like I didn't like it as but I didn't judge it based on its politics because like there was that 
And that's why conservatives got mad about it. But I just watched it. And everybody else loved it. Okay? Like, yeah, as I far as, like, like not, oh, great, man. Yeah. Everybody else loved it. So this is just my opinion. But I'm just saying, as somebody who spent a lot of time listening to Eminem growing up, and, and you know, I... I don't listen to Eminem typically now, but if it's on, I'm not going to turn it off. Like I don't, I still like those, those old albums, <laughs> but I just think that like, I've seen him do better. So to me, this wasn't anything like it was kind of, do you remember the song he did on? It was like, it was later in the before no. he went away for a while. <laughs> and it was called, it was called mosh. And it was about like, George Bush and like 9-11 there was a music video on MTV when we were in high school and whatnot and I like when that song came out I was at a point I was as a teenager I kind of built my political identity off not liking George Bush and being opposed to his existence which I I think we all did on 17 and right whatever but but this was like this should have been my ballad and I remember thinking at like 15 years old that like eh you could have done that better, yeah. like, and that's how that's how I felt. With it's not this like our political song like, that was full of wit and irony. Oh, that was so good, and it was full of clever lyrics too. And competent incumbents, you try to write a better line <laughs> about politics. That's all I'm right. saying. So we'll be singing yeah, Santorum we'll, who and then. <laughs> That's, That's a right. reference that no one understands except for friend of the show Dan, who was at all of the shows. But right. that we wrote back. back Don't worry, the, guys. The elections are coming up. We'll write another one. There's got to be another. <laughs> we, yeah, but we've said that for a couple of years. Don't promise things that we can't deliver. <laughs> oh, I'm on. promising. Like, I'm setting it. I'm um, putting it up. Putting a contract on. All right, that's fine. Let's let's get it done then. I guess. But yeah. we, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. We we'll write another one. It sucks though that it it won't be. Well, I guess it will. There will be a shit ton of candidates. So, oh yeah, primary time. Oh yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> that'd be good. No, like when I can write an eight verse song, one candidate a piece. Right. Verse, one candidate per verse. Um. Anyway, all right. Last story: the NFL, which I'll never talk about again because <laughs> f all of you people. Uh, had an awesome little, an awesome twist to whatever the NFL is these days. So Roger Goodell's wife um, came out and admitted this week to creating a false Twitter handle. Uh, (laughs) I do know this story. And to defend Roger Goodell. So she was going around tweeting that like, oh, give the guy a break. He's handling this situation fine. Leadership is tough, guys. It's like, (laughs) that's so awesome that A, she got caught, that B, she had to apologize for it, and C, what an awesome wife. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say that. Like, if I'm Roger Goodell, I'm like, hey, baby, you did a good fucking thing. Unless he ordered her to do it or something terrible like that. (laughs) What's hilarious is that, like, it's, it's a funny story, but it also, that reaction is the react, the only reaction I've seen online. Every dude that I've seen online is like, damn, what an awesome wife. Like she bailed him <laughs> out. <laughs> like, that's Still, very I can, cool. I can just see this relationship angle here where the end of the day, Brownie Roger Goodell, ladies. he comes up and he's like, baby, I just, I don't know what to do. I mean, we've got this image here of this guy just beating a child. Should I, I don't know what to do. 
You just do you, baby. You're going to do the right thing. <laughs> okay, I won't do anything. Good job. Good talk. Like, no. <laughs> right. Sorry to tell you, Mrs. Goodell, but your husband sucks, and he's made terrible decision. And Yeah, he has. Yeah. Like, every literally, I can't think of any one good decision except for getting after Brady. But everyone hated him for that, too. It's just I don't happen to like Tom Brady, and I think that when you're – deflating your balls over there you should get in trouble <laughs> i was so trying to work a ball deflating joke in you have no idea how long i was thinking about it right there yeah um well, just take it from him himself yeah check my balls i check my balls i feel my balls balls feel good the balls right. feel good <laughs> I'm just but kidding. didn't he didn't goodell go back on that too didn't he no uh, he, he suspended him for like two two or three games and whenever he showed up uh i think the very first game like this year eight though uh, I, I think that was for a different charge, and then they they reduced it or something. It was like a lesser charge. I can't I remember that's exactly why what happened. People are pissed at him about the Brady thing because yeah. he was Brady was supposed to get more than a slap there, on the wrist, and he didn't. There's a lot of Brady supporters. Brady's huge. Like people love the New England Patriots. I don't know why. I don't like him, but for whatever reason, a lot of people do. And I think the first opening game was at um, wherever they're th- they're stadium is the new england stadium and he got booed roger goodell showed up and the whole fucking crowd just booed him no one likes roger goodell he needs to get out of there if it's chart penalizing people for having 9-11 memorial shoes what like how is that you cover everything yeah. with pink because you're making money off it they get like 90 percent of the profits that are supposed to go to breast cancer awareness that's not an exact figure so don't quote me on it but it's a lot and but then you're finding dudes thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars because they want to have nine eleven on their shoes, right? Uh, or you look at the concussion rules, everything. Clearly, I'm the football watcher here, and I got some f- issues with Mr. Roger Goodell. So right. it's good he's got a and wife. I just can't he's turn it on because all of those people won't stand up. So <laughs> um. just stand up. <laughs> <laughs> No. Did I say those people? You said <laughs> the holy awesome. fuck. You're in trouble. Uh, I'm not awesome. associated with you. <laughs> I guess that here's what's awesome about it is like I meant it in I meant it in like the I we know how you white meant people it. way. <laughs> I know. And I'm just digging this hole deeper. I'm just digging it deeper. Right. It's Listen a secret back code. to these other episodes. There are thirty other episodes to prove I'm not a damn racist. You it's secret freaking code. racists. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know where else right. to go from that point. Let's, <laughs> let's end it. Let's end it at racism. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear all this nonsense happening behind me? Like, I hear, is that a, just, is, I hear a goofy uh, noise. Oh my god, there's so much happening. Apparently, I'm recording this on the freeway. Hopefully, none of it picked up, and this sentence doesn't make any sense. But there have been like <laughs> multiple times where just like tons of noise has passed outside of my residence. <laughs> and uh yeah it's not it's not been good i have a feeling there's a lot of background noise on this episode so right if not then good this was a bullshit way to finish so um <laughs> with that i guess we'll just call it for the week we will yeah um we'll be back next week hopefully hopefully with the guests we'll have to try to figure out what our what our scheduling is and then uh we'll we'll obviously keep people up to try date, to make so. it happen Yes, for sure, for sure. So on that note, um, follow us on 
Facebook and Twitter at TDAP2017. The links to the topics discussed are in the sources section um, in the description of the episode. New episodes are available on Google Google Play and iTunes. Set it backwards this time. Switching it up on you. Uh, normally on Tuesdays, but lately on like Wednesdays. So you know what? Just look for it. Just subscribe, and you'll always have it early. So that's that's the dealio. And on that note, here it is as always, your alternative fact of the week. Thanks. A Miami congressional candidate, Bettina Rodriguez Aguilar, claims that when she was a kid, big blonde aliens visited her and communicated with her telepathically several times. 